0: All right. Well, good morning. It's good to have you here today. If you're a kidmo, we're going to let you guys head on out. If you are one of their leaders, you can go to. If you're a guest and you have a child, fifth grade or under, we're going to invite you to go ahead and follow them as well. And uh, you can check your kids into uh, child care this morning. Uh, we've got something available for every age group up through fifth grade. If you're a, a student parent, you've got a teen here today. I uh, hope you... We're able to see our disclaimer we sent out um, this week, and uh, I hope that you've had an opportunity to talk to your teens, and if you'd like to make other plans, you can do that as well. But this is your time, because this morning we're going to be talking about a, a pretty important topic, and uh, we want to make sure that uh, that we cover it well, but we also cover it with dignity and grace. Let me just say before I get started, uh, we really appreciate the job that David and Stephanie have done on this Ashes to Beauty project. and. Uh, the work that Leslie's done and helping to inspire that. The video was fantastic, and really appreciate all the kids, all the work they put in, and really excited about um, that opportunity. So you can see some of the things that they made and, and take part and maybe grabbing some of those up to uh, help support their trip. So, uh, again, thank you guys for all your work in that. Now, the reason we're talking about this, the Elephant in the Room series uh, that we're doing, this is, we're doing this for several weeks. There are several topics that we don't always talk about in church, but the reality is, is that you're talking about them in other places, and if you're not talking about them, you are surrounded by other people who are. And so, it's important that we understand how God works, what God has done, how He has created us, and that we will not ever fully experience life that we were created for unless we experience it in the context in which He created us. Now, this morning we're going to have I'm going to have two other people helping me, and uh, we're going to be sharing quite a bit. Um, and we're going to be using some language that is going to be uncomfortable inside of a church service, but the reality is that you are already experiencing this everywhere around you. Uh, It doesn't take long to figure out if you want to do a search and figure out how prevalent is the issue of sex in our world and the communities in which you and I live. It is incredibly prevalent, not just outside the church, but inside the church. Uh, The Media Project did a a study that found that two out of every three shows on TV, two out of every three shows on TV include sexual content, and that's an increase from about half of all shows ten years ago. So in the last ten years, the amount of sexual content just by turning on the TV has increased by 50%. I imagine at the rate things are moving now, that number will jump exponentially in the next ten years. Additionally, what we find in one of every 10 shows on TV right now is a some depiction of sexual intercourse. One in 10 shows right now. Now, you may be thinking, well, I don't subscribe to stars. I don't subscribe to HBO or Cinemax or whatever. But it doesn't even matter if you have cable, you have access to this. If you have Netflix, you have access to this. Talking about pornography by the year 2017, by the end of this year, a quarter of a billion, a quarter of a billion people, 250,000 people are expected to be accessing mobile adult content from their phones or tablets. That's an increase of about 30% from 2013 from their studies then. One in five mobile searches is for pornography. We think that this is better in the church. 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say that they watch porn at least once a month. Of regular church attendees, they are 26% less likely to look at porn. However, self-proclaimed fundamentalists or the most conservative that hold true to God's word and true to what God teaches are 91% more likely to look at porn. It's incredible what is changing in our world today. And for some of you, and you come from different generations, and and this kind of topic was never discussed in church. And when I was growing up, we didn't talk about this stuff in church. But incredibly, what we are seeing as younger generations are coming along, that the view of this is changing. What is the absolute purpose of sex? For most Gen Xers and Millennials, they continue to believe in conventional ideas, Of sex, That means that it is meant for procreation. It is meant between a husband and a wife. 6 in 10 elders, 60% agree strongly with this. 53% of boomers, 49% of Gen Xers, 43% of millennials, which means the view is beginning to change from the conventional view when you grew up or if you have grandkids, your grandkids are having drastically different views than you. If you're not talking about it at home, then you don't realize that their views are changing. Most uh, excuse me. Most believe in the conventional ideas of sex, millennials and Gen Xers. That is to express intimacy between two people who love each other or to procreate. However, the notion that it should unite a man and woman in marriage is endorsed by just one-third of Gen Xers and millennials. Nearly half of younger generations say that sex is to connect with another person in an enjoyable way. 49% of millennials would say that. Though this sentiment is not much different from older adults, but millennials are much more likely than older adults to say the purpose of sex is self-expression and personal fulfillment. We have moved from a relationship where this is crucial to it's just about me. It's moving to a me-centered mentality. This is what is happening around us. Four out of ten Americans believe that adultery is morally acceptable, We think, well, that's got to be better in the church. It is. For Christians, that number is 1 in 10. And I expect over the next decade for that number to rise among Christians as well. We're seeing an increase in the rise of let's just live together and try it out. Or I just want to experience this, try before we buy kind of mentality. And what we see over and over again is that people are really struggling in relationships. Marriages are falling apart. The rate of infidelity is unbelievably high, even among Christians. So I believe that it's an important topic. It is an elephant in the room because it is all around us. It influences most of us, if not all of us, in ways that we don't even recognize. And some of the things we want to share with you is just how incredible... Some of the way God has wired us to work within our, our, the, his design purpose. So what is God's design? If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be all over the place this morning. If you want to follow along on YouVersion, you can do that. Um, Sean's going to try to keep up, but I'll be honest, I don't know if he's going to be able to or not with uh, kind of how we're going to go back and forth here in just a minute. What is God's design? God created sex to be a beautiful and a bonding experience for married couples. For husbands and wives that God has brought together in a relationship to say, I'm with you forever. There's a beautiful thing. And I know when I grew up, probably if any of you are younger or when you grew up, you grew up with a mindset that sex is bad, right? Now, once you get married, sex is great. But until then, it's really bad and stay away from it. And the problem with that mindset is, is that when a person gets married, and many Christians will struggle with this, they have learned throughout their life and they've signed pledge pure, or purity pledges to say, I'll not have any kind of sexual relationship until I get married. Once they are married, they have a hard time switching and believing this is a good thing. But what we find through Scripture is that God gave this to be a wonderfully good thing for husbands and wives. We read in Genesis 2 verse 21 it says so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam the man and while he slept took one of his ribs and closed it up its place with flesh and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man then the man said this is at la- this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. God made us to be in a relationship with a significant other. And he gave an incredibly beautiful way for you to have an intimate relationship, not just to procreate, but to bond and grow together to become one in so many ways. We're going to talk about that again in just a few minutes. But here's one thing I want to do is I want to share with you how God has biologically wired you. God has biologically wired all of us to be bound to a single spouse in love. Christina Allen is going to come up um, and she's going to share some facts with you. There she is. Uh, Christina, for, I don't know, several years, worked with uh, On Point, which was an abstinence education program that would go into our public schools, and she would, oh, I've got it, Ooh, and it's on, and uh, so she, the, some of the information that she can share is just incredible, and we invited her to come and speak to some of our youth parents about talking to your kids about sex, and uh, we just felt like the, it was so, not just empowering, but it was so unbelievable how God has wired us that we wanted her to come share this with you, so Christina? I'll let you take it away. Good
1: morning. Um, Just so you know, I would teach this um, an hour and a half, four days a week. So you guys are here for a few days. Just kidding. Um, I'm going to try to hit all the high points. And this is something that I am super passionate about because you don't know what you don't know. Science proves that and lines up with that. I think it's pretty remarkable and pretty amazing. Um, When it comes to sex and just bonding in general, your body has a chemical called oxytocin. And in 20 seconds after hugging someone, your brain begins firing off off a chemical, okay? We have pheromones. Women pick up on pheromones. And so when a woman hugs a man specifically and, like, kind of melts into him, after 20 seconds, that oxytocin starts firing off. Okay, so I would tell teenagers all the time: if you don't intend on really, really trusting someone, don't like count to nineteen and like push them away. Because as soon as twenty seconds hits, your brain is like, "This feels good, this smells good," and your brain just starts working. Okay, what's really cool is oxytocin is released at three critical times. Okay, one is childbirth, one is nursing when a mother nurses, and also the other one is during orgasm. Okay. And what's really cool about oxytocin is the way that it works. So, um, it helps a woman to forget the bad and remember the good during childbirth. That's why women have more than one kid, because I've heard moms be like, oh, I'm never doing this again on oh, this baby. And then they love their baby. Um, also, during nursing, or even when you feed your child, and like you're looking at them, you're holding them. Oxytocin fires off again. This is a chemical that protects. This is why you will protect your spouse. This is why you protect your children. Like I love kids. If your kids get kidnapped, I'm going to be like, "Hey, your kids getting kidnapped." If you like touch my kids, I will kill you with my bare hands because they're my babies, and it's because of oxytocin. And oxytocin um, during orgasm is it fires off. What's really, int- like, interesting about that is whatever you're making eye contact with is what you bond to. So people are like, oh, that's, that's cute. But it, it's so much deeper because what ends up happening is a lot of times this is anything you're looking at, okay? Um, this is why married couples always have sex with a lamp on or some sort of light and make eye contact. Because what, temp- what can happen is if somebody has looked at something like pornography on a computer – or whatever, in front of them, and they close their eyes or they're in the dark, whatever you're thinking about in your head is what you will bond to. So, if you're not looking directly at your spouse, then you're bonding to whatever you're thinking about, okay? And so, outside of marriage, um, this can create a lot of confusion um, because we love that person. And, like, A lot of times that love is confused. Those chemicals are confused with love. It's like, no, you, there may be no love there, but you're bonded to them because of oxytocin and because of your physical connection to them. And it becomes really distorted. Um, I had a friend one time that... She had dated this guy for quite some time, and um, and she was like, I just don't know how I really feel about him. And the first thing I said is, are you having sex? And she said, yes. I said, cut off the sex, and within a few weeks, you'll know exactly how you feel about him. Because what it does is, like I said, it helps you to forget the bad and remember the good, okay? In marriage, that is amazing. It is very healing, you have an argument in marriage, um, you have resolution, you need to talk about it, and then you go have sex, it's very healing. You forget the bad, you forget the argument, and you remember the good. It kind of restarts your love. That's why, um, you know in the Bible there's a scripture that talks about don't withhold from your spouse because over time withholding, it breaks down that bond, and so over time you become more distant. So in marriage, sex in a healthy way, a healthy view of sex um, is actually very, very healing for a marriage the problem outside of marriage, is it will keep you with someone. Um, How many times have we thought, why is that girl, her, her boyfriend is beating her, and like, he's abusing her. Why in the world is she staying with him? Because in the abuse cycle, one of the parts is, like, you know, they say they're sorry. And when somebody says they're sorry, and then they have sex, what happens? You forget the bad, and you remember the good. Oh, you know, you know, and, it, and abuse is not just a man to a woman. It is absolutely can be um, a woman to a man as well. And so what ends up happening is they justify it. You know, but we love each other. Like, it's just so good being together. Like, when it's good, it's really good. And it totally distorts their view of that person, of their abuse, and also of, of themselves. Um, and then also with pornography. Again, so a lot of times with pornography, what ends up happening is it's you know typically very very private very very shameful, um, and I, you know I tell people all the time like if you find your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend like um, watching pornography don't shame them because the shame that they already feel is so heavy because it's very private and that's the thing with sex is like when you have it when you have a healthy view of sex it's not uncomfortable to talk about it it's not uncomfortable at all but when you have shame. And all this guilt on top of that, it's very private. It's very uncomfortable um, because it it, bring, it conjures and brings up so much within us. And the thing about sex is it goes straight to your heart, okay, straight to your heart. Um, and so with, with pornography, what happens with pornography is um, anytime a person watches pornography and then they, um, they have an orgasm to it through masturbation, what ends up happening is they bond to what they see. So then what happens is two things. The first thing is a lot of times they cannot, their spouse begins to not even be able to turn them on because it gives them a false sense of love and it also physiologically rewires the connections in the brain. So they, they cannot, um, it can become addictive because of like dopamine, which is the same chemical that's released when people use drugs. Um, it gives a high that's higher than cocaine and that's also why it's addictive um, it's harder to, pornography can be harder to quit than heroin. Um, simply because the bond and the chemicals are so strong because again, it's from the, it, it's connected to your heart and your soul. Um, so with pornography, um, it's one of those things that people, they watch it, they have that release, and then that becomes the thing that they have to have in order to turn them on. And so it tears down the communication, the respect, the love, and the trust within a marital or any relationship, really. Um, Another interesting thing is, this is kind of cool, That so listen very carefully. Guys will give love to get sex, I saw a guy talk about this one time, and he had this big whiteboard, and he wrote a heart. He's like, "Guys, give love um, to get sex," and then he wrote a smiley face, and um, and then girls will give sex to get love. Outside of marriage, this is a disaster. It's completely false. It gives you a false sense that this person really loves me, and therefore I'm going to give you sex in order to get love. It's really self medication it's self-medication. It's saying, what can you do for me to make me feel better or feel a certain way? But it's not true. It's not, it's not true. It's not genuine. It's very, very selfish. It's very one-sided. And so, um, in marriage though, it's really cool because it actually works really well in marriage. If you have, um, a marriage that's very respectful, it's built on respect. It's actually, it's serving the other person rather than what can you do for me? It's very much, um, you know how the Bible talks about, um, you know, love your wife and women respect your husband. It's it's exactly that. It's respecting that person and that husband's loving his wife. And obviously, if a woman feel, like feels very fulfilled, she's going to want to have sex with her husband. So if you're married and you're like, man, and you're a guy and you want sex more often, really love your wife well, and she will be like, yes, let's go. Um, because she she's going to want to do that. You've probably heard the whole men are like microwaves, women are like crockpots. Yes, for women, sex starts in the morning, okay? Um, if you want to have sex with her in the evening, start in the morning. Um, hey, you know, thank you so much for dinner last night. You are an, you're an awesome wife. I love you. You are beautiful. A woman's going to be like, what? oh, hey, okay, okay. And then she's going, she's going to want to have sex with you. See, I just saved you guys so much in therapy. Um, <laughs> but um, truthfully, just, just based on brain chemistry, If you just look at the brain, God's design was really to protect you, okay? Um, I read a book one time where this woman interviewed um, a shepherdess, and she said, gosh, sheep are stupid. And the shepherdess was highly offended. And she said, no, you know, sheep are not stupid. They're defenseless. And she said, do you see this fence? She was like, I put this fence up to keep everything out because everything on the outside of the fence, if I put this fence down, they would die within 24 hours, 24 hours, they would die because nothing would be there to protect them. She was like, but do you see when they're inside this fence, you guys, like when sheep go out, if they go out in a bunch, a lot of times they get tangled up in briars. They get stuck. They can't get out of stuff. She's like, but if you look at them within the fence, she was like, they all, they're relaxed. They're not stressed out. They're all together. They're a family because they know they're safe. And that's God's design really with anything. But I think sex especially because um, whenever we have, you know, if you, whenever we do anything outside of God's will, um, there's a lot of, of guilt. There's shame. There's all kinds of stuff that people live with for years. And the problem is we don't talk about it. And so um, at Journey, that's what we want to talk about it because it's something that we don't want you to walk through alone. Um, there are tons of resources. Like I said, I've been talking for like 10 minutes. Um, I mean, I got like four days to go. So, um, there's plenty out there. Um, but I just want you to understand too, that in marriage, sex again can be super healing and that, um, there's no guilt. There's no shame. There's freedom. And, um, and that's what we just kind of want to push you towards. And also we just really, really, really want to, Change your view of sex if it's not already healthy and exciting and, like, fresh and fun. As long as you're married, teenagers don't take – don't misunderstand what I'm saying there – but it's something it's worth talking about if you do have teenagers, if you have kids and you're like, oh my goodness, how do I even talk to them? Come talk to me. I have plenty of tips for that. Um, but, you know, like be honest with them more than anything and be honest with yourself. Because I think sometimes we just have to kind of do a little gut check. And and also I want to encourage you, like if there's anything, any kind of trauma, anything in your, in your mind, because so much of sex It it is mental that, um, you know, we're here and we can definitely point you guys in in the right direction for healing. Um, And the coolest thing of all is that this is, God is so for this. Like, God, like, is like, yes, like, go do that. Enjoy it. Um, And, you know, and you can enjoy it to the fullest when it's in a healthy relationship. All right. I guess my work here is done.
0: Thank you, Christina. Now, as probably you're already... If you're one of those people that never takes time off, you know that to be true. You just don't get near as much done as you used to. So it's incredible how God has designed us physically, biologically, in order to follow through with what he has instructed us. So instead of God saying, okay... I'm going to build within you this great feeling and you're going to want to do this all the time, but I'm going to put these rules in place and say, don't do it. Because a lot of people look at Christian teaching on sexuality in that way. God is just a big killjoy in the sky. But instead, God has instructed us in how to follow through in a healthy relationship and a healthy sexual relationship because that's the way he created us. And when we try to break out of that and we try to exercise it in other ways or when we're not committed in a monogamous relationship, when we are not at that place, it begins to break us down. And I really appreciate all that Christina shared. And I, I just, if you would like to talk to her more, she has a lot more material. I, and she did a great job in the time limit I gave her to cover that, that material there. Now, you all know Stacy. Stacy is our discipleship director here, and we're going to talk together. We're going to be doing a kind of a conversational thing over the next few minutes. I'm going to be focusing a lot more on men. She's going to be focusing a lot more on women because men think women are just like them, and women wish men were just like them, but we're different, right? <laughs> so some things that uh, will work for men will not work for women. Some things that work for women will not work for men, and some things it's important for both. Um, sexes. So we're going to be talking through those. And, um, and again, I hope that you'll kind of pick this up um, on our podcast and you can talk about it. Parents, if you um, want some help in talking about these issues, come talk to us, talk to David Stephanie, talk to Christina. Um, it is crucial that you're having these conversations. And even this one we're having now, while we probably won't do a sermon like this in quite a while, you need to have regular conversations with your kids because they are around it all the time. The average child will be exposed to pornography by the age of 11. Those in multiple sibling families, that number drops to five years old. Children on average are becoming sexually active by the age of 13. If you think you can wait till high school, you may be in for a rude awakening. The conversation has to get younger and the conversation has to be more frequent. And I know I grew up in a home where we didn't talk about it. We did not talk about it. Many of you grew up in that home and right now you're sitting there listening and you're trying to be still, but you're squirming like, I don't like this. This doesn't feel good. But we're past that point. We have to be talking about it. Scripture talked about it. Song of Solomon is a book in the Bible devoted to sexuality. Now, you can call it what you want. Read it. That's what it's about. It's about. So we've got to be talking about these things. So I appreciate what Christina has shared. And absolutely, God intended for this to be beautiful. We as sinful people take beautiful things and we break them. One of the things that I love about the project our youth are doing is God can also take those broken things and make them beautiful again. So that's what we hope to do in these next few minutes before we finish here. How do we do this? Um, What we know is that sex is beautiful, but outside of marriage, sex is destructive. Bottom line, outside of a committed relationship with a husband or a wife, it is destructive. It will hurt your marriage. It will hurt everyone involved. If you have children, it will hurt your children. And likely your children will learn those same behaviors and carry it with them so that they repeat those same problems. It's crucial that we as Christians understand this and that we, we are able to live in such a way that honors God and what He has commanded us. Hebrews 13, 4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all. Let the marriage bed be undefiled. That means pornography. That means emotional affairs. That means uh, going too far in a date before you're married. It means all those things. Let the marriage bed be undefiled. Sex is meant for the marriage bed between a husband and a wife. That is how God has created us. Let it be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Let me just go ahead and drop some boundaries here, because for some of you, you're going, I've never had an affair, did not have sex till I got married. But just because you haven't had an act of sex outside of marriage, let me tell you, you've got to be constantly on guard. Matthew 5, 27 says, You have heard it was said you shall not commit adultery, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Another place where we can go, God, man, you're harsh. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm just, you know, like a guy. What's the big deal? He's not saying this to heap shame and guilt on those who fall in this. He knows that if you, even with your mind, entertain the opportunity for an affair, if you entertain the opportunity to have sex with somebody other than your spouse, then it will change what's going on in your brain. And your brain can lie to you. These chemicals can lie to you. It is, it's crucial that we understand that it is more than just an actual physical act. Because many people will say, as long as we keep our clothes on, it's okay. As long as we don't actually have intercourse, it's okay. As long as I really love this person and I really think, planned." To marry this person at one point, it will be okay? That's not the way it works. Our bodies will betray us. How many times did you date somebody growing up thinking they were the most wonderful person in the world only to find somebody else and decide they were terrible? You know, This is only for committed relationships and marriage, for two people to become one. I heard it said that two people becoming one is way more than just sexual. For Deidre and I, when we became one, we share a lot. We share common trajectory in life. Deidre had all kinds of goals and dreams for her life. I had all kinds of goals and dreams for my life. When we became married, we had to have goals and dreams for the two of us together. We couldn't go into separate directions. We were one. When it comes to finances and premarital counseling, people often ask me, should we have two checking accounts? And I say, well, it depends. Do you really want to marry this person? Because when you're going to be one, your finances become one. So when I take Deidre out to eat and I pay, I may be paying, but it's out of the same pool, right? If she pays, it's out of the same pool. We're going to live or die based on our ability to live together financially. I'm going to be focused on her. She's going to be focused on me. I mean, we are going to be one in so many areas of our life. And when we use sex outside of marriage, we say, I will be one physically with you, but I don't want the rest of you. I will not commit to having the rest of you. I just want a piece of you. And that is so totally destructive to the way God has built you. So some of you are already, your mind is firing and flaring, and and you're already thinking about things you've been a part of or things you wish you hadn't done. And some of you are thinking, yeah, well, I've already already been intimate with uh, several people. Am I ruined? We're going to talk about that um, in just a minute. So what happens when you shortcut God's design? Um, For one, as Christina has said, you're bound to things other than your spouse. It's like saying, I don't want to be with you. I just want your body. And ultimately, it degrades what it looks like for you to be in a healthy, happy life moving forward. Some of those current trends to say, you know what? Don't marry somebody if you haven't tried the merchandise. I hear that all the time oh i'm just living with them because you know if if this doesn't work it's a lot better than me having to divorce them if it doesn't work later the truth is is if you are a person who has experienced or tried to experience this with multiple partners or pornography is a regular part of your life it is changing your ability to even have a committed happy loving relationship Listen to this. This is from the, uh, a book called Hooked. It's a study, not by a Christian. Just, uh, it's, it's a study made by uh, a group of people just studying the brain. It says, The individual who goes from sex partner to sex partner is causing his or her brain to mold and gel so that eventually begins accepting that sexual pattern as normal. For most people, this brain pattern seems to interfere with the development of the neurological circuits necessary for the long-term relationships that, for most people, result in stable marriages and family development. The pattern of changing sex partners, therefore, seems to damage their ability to bond in a committed relationship. Their inability to bond after multiple liaisons is almost like tape that loses its stickiness after being applied and removed multiple times it's pretty scary isn't it nobody taught us that growing up and this is not by someone trying to prove the bible's true this is the way that we work so here's here's what we want to do we want to we want to cover this in two ways in the next few minutes one is how do you stay true to the call how do you stay true to god's plan And then the second one is, what happens if you haven't stayed true to God's plan? Can you be restored? And if so, how? Because we believe God can take ashes and create beauty. So how does that work? The challenge is when we're saturated with these images, we become desensitized, and we are much more likely to compromise what our convictions are. I've already said this is already happening around you. You cannot get away from this. You cannot get away from television. You cannot get away from the Internet. You cannot get away from advertising. Even if you say, we'll only watch the networks, has anyone seen a Hardee's commercial for crying out loud? And quite honestly, I don't know what's attractive about it. It's one of the grossest commercials I can see. I don't want to see barbecue sauce falling out of your mouth. That does not make me want to go on a date with you. But they will use it for some incredible things. Ran across a study that the University of California did. This is how gullible we are as a people and why Hardee's advertises with that. This was the University of California. It's, the study showed that sex is primarily used to sell low risk products, impulse purchases. Sex is not as effective when selling high risk informational products such as banking services, appliances, and utility trucks. Have you ever seen a sexy banking ad? No. <laughs> Researchers found seeing an attractive man or woman in an advert excites the areas of the brain that makes us buy on impulse, bypassing the sections which control rational thought. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Bypassing rational thought. Their study found that adverts using logical persuasion, simple convincing facts, are less effective in making us spend than adverts using non-rational influence or feel-good stimulating images. This is because those bypass the parts of our brain that process ideas logically and rationally. Have you ever wondered why B movies have so much sex in them? Because it helps a person ignore how bad the movie really is. All of the latest blockbusters that come out on HBO and Cinemax and whatever that you love to watch... You know why it's in there? It's to get you to stop thinking rationally and logically about what you're seeing. See, many of us we're we're blind to how manipulative the world is around us. We're we're blind to how manipulative advertisers are. We're blind to how manipulative sometimes our media and government is. They know how to manipulate us, and if we are blind to it, it will continue to happen. Psalm 119, 9 and 10 says, How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Ultimately, we follow God's word and that keeps us on the right track. But we've got to begin seeing God's word not as rules, but this is how we fulfill what God has instructed us or how he's created us. Once we begin to see this is how God has created us, then it, changes the way we view his instructions towards us so here's some just quick tips for how do you if you're committed to staying in this type of design how do you do that moving forward and this is where kind of men and women kind of separate a little bit we're a little bit different let me just say this number one watch what you are exposed to watch what you are exposed to watch what you see watch what you hear Guys, this is crucial for you. If you think that watching that latest show that's so popular that has gratuitous sex in it is not hurting you, it is. It's changing the way you view sexuality. You've got to be careful what movies you go see. You've got to watch what are the things I'm allowing myself to read. I think it's great that Playboy is not going to have pornography at all in any of its magazines. Isn't that just wonderful? They're now going to be a serious news agency because they've determined that people just get it all for free off the Internet anyways. Guys have to have strict Internet protection. We don't allow our kids to take a computer into their bedrooms. We don't let them watch YouTube or watch be on the Internet without us being somewhere around. I mean, we've got to be watching what they're doing because they don't have the ability in order to understand what this is doing to them. So we have to be there to watch this for them. But, but people, when we're adults, we've got to do that for ourselves too. It is crucial that we are watching where we're taking ourselves and what we're doing. But there's more than just visual. Men are, are highly visual. Women are a little bit different than men.
2: Sure. Another way that we need to be careful about guarding ourselves is the music that we listen to. Guys and girls both need to be paying attention to the music. I love to run. And before I started running, I didn't really have an issue with the music I listened to because I listened to a lot of just Christian music. And so I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty safe. But there's not a lot of good running Christian music. It's just not out there. So when I...
0: You are such a prude. You have got to put boundaries in place to say, I want to follow through in the way God has designed me. Just don't go. But there are some other places beyond the obvious not to go as well.
2: Yeah, and again, I think this comes down to you need to know your own boundaries. Um, I have been at sporting events, and I mean, maybe maybe you've noticed this, or maybe I just happen to be somewhat sensitive to this, but I've been at a sporting event where I was, it was a football game, where I was only a few rows up from the cheerleaders and the dancers. And um, down the row from me, maybe about five seats, was this guy that could not take his eyes off the dancers. Guys, if that's a problem for you, you either need to be not go into the game or you need to make sure you're not sitting somewhere where that's in your view, okay? Um, I've noticed in another situation where I've been in a position where there have been possibly visually stimulating women and I have watched the guys around me divert their eyes. I cannot tell you how good that makes me feel as a woman to see a man who is so God honoring protecting himself and the women that he cares about in his life to make the choice to look away Guys, I don't know what that might be for you But i'm just asking you to be aware of your situation and know your boundaries Another one would be dance clubs. I don't mean strip clubs. That would be one like hooters We know you shouldn't go there But I mean like just go out clubbing having fun at a bar dancing Okay There's a lot of things that happen at dance clubs. And for some of us, that can be perfectly okay. And for some of us, that is not perfectly okay. You need to know and understand yourself and your own limitations and your own weaknesses to be able to make wise decisions, not only for yourself, but the ones that you care about.
0: Right. Another one is, and this is crucial, especially for you guys in school, is watch who you spend your time with. Uh, for a lot of guys, your first experience with pornography were with your buddies at school, right? For a lot of guys, that's the case. The people that we surround ourselves with influence us. They expose us to things. They think, oh, this is cool. They don't, they don't know what they're looking at. They don't know what this is doing to their brains. And so they share that with their friends. Now, there are going to be times because children, one of the largest um, exposures of children to pornography come with them not even looking for it. It just pops up. That's you know, it's one of the reasons for our kids' phones, they've got, uh, we have, to their chagrin, a, a, a filtered browser. We've taken off the normal browser, they have a filtered browser, and it shuts them down if it's anything's even questionable. I think sometimes it even shuts down Journey's website, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> but be careful who you're around. Be careful who you spend your most time with. If you are friends with people who like to sleep around, it's time to be around another group of friends. I'm not saying that you cut them off and have nothing to do with them and they are the bane of the world and we are going to judge them. But who, the, who you choose to be around the most often, who you choose to spend the most time with will influence you and we have to put boundaries in place because the world doesn't care about God's design. So we have to put those in place. So, so watch who you spend the most time with and that can be difficult. If you're older and you're on dating sites, sometimes dating sites are just a cover. You've got to be careful who you spend your time with and where you go. Um, overall, there are, we could go through lots of different boundary opportunities. But ultimately, we have to see this as a way of us living holistically. The whole person in which God has created us.
2: Um, I think this is really important for us as women um, several years ago when I worked at a camp, um, I was, well, it's been more than several years ago. When I was in college, which was more like 15 years ago, um, I worked at a camp in which we were completely isolated from everything. We weren't allowed to have our cell phones. There was no TV. We had one night off a month and one 24 hour period. And we were at camp where it was a Christian based camp and we were just isolated from everything. And I can remember my first year at camp having been isolated for weeks and finally taking my night off. And, um, and I walked out and I realized, wow, this is some really sexy stuff I'm seeing. And I didn't realize, Mark said it earlier, I didn't realize how desensitized I had become to seeing types of clothing and the things that we wear. But as soon as I was in a situation where people were generally very clothed except for maybe in swimsuits that were appropriate swimsuits, Um, I didn't realize how accustomed I had been to so little clothing until I was in a situation. And, And I think this is important for women because it's not about our image because that's really what we drive for. It's about our identity. The way we dress is often not about how we look, but how we feel about who we are. And so I just want to share some verses here. Um, 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4 says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But you let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Well, if you know me, I don't really struggle with the beauty part. I've struggled with the gentle and quiet spirit part because I'm not necessarily the gentle and quiet spirit one. I want the truth, and I want it spoken, and I'm probably going to say it, hopefully in a gentle way, but not always. But God is saying that's what makes us beautiful, is a spirit that is gentle and quiet is precious to him. Um, Proverbs 31 10 and thirty-one, thirty. this is struggle for me because we've all heard the proverbs 31 woman right and it's set up as this pinnacle of this lady this woman this wife that we will never reach to be and so i really struggled with the choice to share this but i but here's what's really great about it a wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Those are things that I feel like, with God's help, I can achieve, and those are things that I will never lose as my identity. I will lose my image. Whatever that is, whatever I put forth, that is going to be lost. But I will never lose my identity in Christ as someone who has a noble character and who fears the Lord. Modesty is not about what you're doing to help be a distraction or not be a distraction, but it's really about motivation and honoring God and honoring the people around us.
0: Right, right, good, good. All right, here's another one. Date smart. Date smart. You know, some of us, when we were growing up, we were just happy to have a date, right? We didn't care. (laughs) I didn't care who they were. We were just happy somebody would be seen with us. So, but, but honestly, date smart. If this isn't someone that you think has the character or personality that you can see yourself with long-term, and now this is a little for, you know, when you get older, then don't date them. If they're the hottest thing you've ever seen, but you know, they're not, they don't have the character that you want to spend your life with. Don't go out with them. Date smart guys. If it's not somebody that you see yourself, that you are to be able to be, come together and grow in your faith together, they're not there. Right. Don't even go on a date. Just don't do it. Now, you want to go out and have fun and, and whatever, you know, that's fine. We're not here to tell you who you can and can't spend time with. However, I'm just telling you, dating it goes beyond that. Dating says, I'm going to begin to invest some of my life into yours, and I want you to invest some of yours into mine, and let's see where this goes. But date smart. Be careful about where you're going. And when when you are, don't get into a position where your body's telling you keep going and your brain no longer has a capacity to say no. That 20-second hug, you know, don't do it. Don't do it. Be very careful about where you spend your time. Be very careful about not being alone in dark places. You know, just be careful about how you date. Prepare yourself so that when you are going to be married, you have the best opportunity to have the best marriage possible. So just date smart.
2: Yeah, I would like to speak to the teens here for this just a moment because I am a teacher and I do see teenagers all the time. And I will say something. It is super common for me to see two different scenarios. The first scenario is that really excited teen girl who runs up and grabs the guy maybe expecting it or not expecting it, and she just clings to his neck, hangs on to him, and is just holding on. All right, girls, if you are doing this and you are doing it to multiple guys, you, like Christina said earlier today, are secreting that oxytocin that is increasing your trust in a guy, it is increasing your desire for the guy, and it is bonding you to the guy. This is happening every time you hug a guy. Every time. I'm just saying that because I see it a lot, and I just want you to be aware that when you do this, you are putting yourself in a very vulnerable position. Guys, don't let girls do that to you. I know that a lot of times it's not the guys initiating this because it's often the girls that I see doing it. But I do also see this. Guys coming up, grabbing the girl at the waist, Picking her up, squeezing her, twirling her around as I throw the mic, and holding on to her for a few minutes. Guys, same results. You are increasing your trust and your desire and your bonding, and you're increasing the girl's trust and desire and your bonding, and it just makes you vulnerable. Now, I think this is incredibly smart if you're dating older and wise about how you're doing it, and as a married couple, date. Touch, hold. This increases the bonding in a healthy way that Christina was talking about earlier. But ultimately, we have to guard our hearts, and that's what this is about. And really, I think a really good way to think about this is it's not about you finding somebody to date and finding somebody to marry, because it's not about who you marry, but why you're getting married. One of the most important things that you should consider is, is this person that I'm dating or is this person that I'm considering marrying someone that I can partner with in the gospel? <laughs> Relationships are not just about sex. And sex is not just physical. It is emotional and spiritual. But when you put all of that together in a relationship in which you have married, some, married someone that you can partner with in the gospel, it is an incredibly amazing and beautiful experience
0: all right well we're we're running out of time and we've got we're not even halfway through, so i'm going to jump ahead a little bit okay. all right um, so one of the things I would encourage you is in your relationship, watch what you say to each other, watch how you communicate with each other, and you know for marriages, you know compliments and encouraging others is crucial it's real it's important the, uh, the number one place where affairs happen are at work. Did you know that? Most of the time when affairs happen, they happen at work. And oftentimes they, ha- they start very innocently and they become something else. And a lot of times it's just getting to know each other, talking, one encouraging the other. Con- you know, Guys, you've got to be careful who you talk to. You've got to be careful what you say to your female co-workers. Because while they can encourage you all day long, you're like, hey, okay, thanks, whatever. <laughs> That's not her response. Because that's a need for her. That's a need for her to feel good about herself. And one of the ways that you can encourage your wife is to say good things about her. Now, when you start doing that outside of marriage, you start encouraging the bonding that's only supposed to happen in marriage. So just be careful. So some of you are thinking, we're not supposed to compliment our co-workers of the opposite sex. I'm saying in some cases, no, you're not. Or you need to be very careful how you do. You need to be very aware about what 's happening in that relationship because many affairs happen they they begin emotionally and then they become something else so be very careful about the way that you do that. make sure that this person is is someone who's important to you and that whenever you 're entering into a relationship and that you see them not as an object of desire but as a person to spend the rest of your life with all right i won't, I, I want to make sure that we say a few minutes, and I know we 're going long today and I hope you can hang in here with us for a few minutes. I hope our children's workers can too. There's a big question. Because the number of people who have not been able to stay on God's design is staggering. If we were to go around the room and ask you to raise your hands, which we're not. Perhaps even in this room that number is staggering. So what happens if you've not been able to stay true to God's design? And you are broken. You know you're broken. Or you're struggling in your your marriage right now. So... What are some ways that we can move forward? And I would just begin by saying you just need to flee. You need to draw a line in the sand, and you need to move in a new direction.
2: Um, I want to. I know we're running out of time, but I think this is super crucial. The statistics really are staggering. They say within the evangelical church, 20% of people wait until they get married. That's it. which means 80% of the population is not waiting. So if you were to look to your left or look to your right, chances are someone in, in the room, including ourselves, have sat here in this place. But I want you to know that even if that is your sexual history, there is not anybody, not Mark or me or the best person you know that stands before God pure and clean based on their own righteousness that only comes through the power of god and what he has done god tells us come now let us settle the matter though your sins are like scarlet they shall be white as snow though they are as red as crimson they shall be like wool isaiah 118 psalm 103 10 through 12 he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities for as the, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I love this song. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus proclaims of himself, I have come to bind the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom to the captives, and release from darkness the prisoners. And in Psalm 63 3, we hear that God's love is better than life. It is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. It is the touch of Jesus that heals us. It is the resurrection of of Jesus that releases us and it is the love of Jesus that completely, eternally satisfies. And that is where we fall when it comes to finding healing and hope if we are walking in a past or current situation in which God is saying don't walk that way, walk in my light and my hope with me. And Mark said it so well, he said, you have to flee. I think the First place that healing comes is when we own it We have got to own where we are in our relationship With the people that we are in relationship with or with the things that we are watching We have to own it and part of that is confessing our sin and god is going to cleanse us A couple of verses that have been incredibly important to me have been micah 7 7 through 9 But as for me, I will look to the lord I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not over me, my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Until he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me, which he did in Christ, he will bring me out to light and I shall look upon his vindication. Psalm 51, 10 through 14, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold with me a willing spirit. And then in 14, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. The restoration and healing can come when we choose to flee, when, as Mark says, draw the line in the sand and move forward in hope and trust in him. I think this is um, also really important to realize that not only will healing come, but so will restoration. Anybody in here got a really good scar? I have a cool one that you can see occasionally on my elbow. It's kind of tiny. But here's the thing about scars, right? At first, they were wounds, right? a lot of times those wounds might have been big, gaping wounds that took a long time to heal. But what happens once they heal? A lot of times, especially if you're a guy, and some of us more athletic girls love to show our scars. And why is that? Because we've overcome. And that's what God does in our life. If we have sat under the sin of sexual immorality, God will allow those wounds to heal, and he will bring about redemption. And then we will have a scar to say, look what God helped me overcome. And here's something that's really, really cool. Christina talked a lot about how the brain causes neuropathways when we have sex. But here's the cool thing. If you're sitting in there in that situation and you're like, there is no hope for me. I don't know what to do. And I don't know how this is going to be restored. There is no hope. Those neural pathways are actually a lot like a path in a garden or a path in the forest. When I was a kid, I walked back and forth a lot to my grandmother's house and we rode four wheelers through there and there was a huge path. And then my grandmother went into a nursing home and she finally passed away. And I just noticed even last month as I was going, the path has grown over. And you know why it was grown over? It's because it wasn't used. It was cut off and unused. And now, instead of the pathway that goes to my grandmother's house, there's a little tiny pathway, because there's not as many of us now, going up to my aunt's house. God has designed our brain the same way in healthy relationships. When we are pursuing the healthy thing, the old thing dies off in our brains. Those neural pathways are truly cut off from being created, and new ones are formed. And that is such a joy and something that I hold hope and perseverance in for what is to come. I think that's amazing. And if you're in that situation, that is something that you can hold hope with as
0: well. Absolutely. Again, God has created us not only for us to move into a healthy direction, but also to be restored because God is in the business of restoring broken people. So there is hope no matter where you are, but you have to make the commitment to say from this point on, no more. From this point on, I will follow God's design and God will restore you and you will have your relationships in the future will demonstrate that. Here's the last thing I want to do. And uh, today is, is just wrap up with a. Um, so how do we, because I told you there were certain things we wanted to do in each one of these sermons. One is, is, how do we respond to this as a church? The church has not always responded to sexuality well. Number one, we don't talk about it. Number two, if someone fails, we point it out, and we point it out big time. So important It's so crucially important that we respond to this area very, very well. Number one is this, live what we claim to be true. Live it. We can't just talk about it. We've got to live it. We've got to practice these things within our lives. We've got to pass them on to our children, and we've got to help them to live it too because they're not going to be able to put all the boundaries in place that we can. We've got to live what we believe. Number two, we have to share truth. We can't be silent even when nobody wants to hear us, but we can't be annoying either. We've got to be careful about how we share these things with others. Truth's got to be shared with grace and compassion. This is one of, the, one of the areas that we sometimes struggle with and with the bathroom laws and all the things going on. We use Facebook as a sledgehammer sometimes to tell people how wrong they are. But compassion and grace doesn't come out of that. And God gives us compassion and grace. We have to speak it in a way that is shared with grace and compassion. We also have to speak truth in a way that creates a safe place for those who are struggling with sexual sin. We need to be able to come here and this be a safe place that you will not be judged, that you can share and you can have people come alongside of you. We can't let it be a taboo subject that they're struggling with this, but I am too uncomfortable. We've got to be willing to go and share love with them. We've got to be a safe place. And I believe that journey, for the most part, is a very safe place. We've got to stay true and, and focused on that. And then the last thing I would share with you is we have to be available to those who are struggling with sexual sin. Not just let this be a safe place to come. We are willing to be available to them. Because I will tell you, in seminary, I, would, I went through a counseling program in which I led a, um, a support group for um, people who were addicted to pornography or to sex. to sex. It was a sex addiction support group. And I remember the number one thing they dealt with was shame and guilt. And if we could never get them past the shame and guilt, we could never move them beyond their addiction. Because shame and guilt is like a downward spiral. And no matter how bad of things we can think of to to, to say to somebody else who's in sin, they're already thinking it about themselves. And they're telling them that over and over again, and they feel like they're a failure. They don't need people coming alongside and letting them know how bad it is. They already know. What they need are somebody to come alongside and love, to hug, to hear. Not more than 20 seconds on that hug, though. <laughs> but they need somebody to come alongside. They need accountability. But they need availability. They need us to be there with them. And so I encourage you that that would be what you would commit to as a follower of Jesus as well. To be a safe place, no matter what the sin is. No matter whether it's out-of-sex heterosexual sin... Whether our out-of-marriage heterosexual sin, out-of-marriage uh, homosexual sin, whether it be addiction to pornography or, or what, it doesn't matter. We are called to be restorers, not judges. That's got to be our place. Finally, I would leave you with this, Psalm one nineteen thirty seven. It says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Let that be our prayer. This morning we are going to sing one more song. I know it's really really late, and if you need to bolt, and some of you already have, if you need to bolt and go grab kids, feel free to do that. We're going to close with one more song. I'm going to pray with you before we do that. Thank you for being here. I want to invite you to be back next week. Next week, uh, Chad Seagrace from 1040 Connections is going to be here, and our elephant in the room is going to be talking about Islam. So I hope that you'll come and join us for that, and uh, we'll we'll see you then. Would you pray with me, Father? God, I thank you for. Not just uh, the ways that you have created us for the gift that we have through you, but I thank you that you have built into our DNA, into our very physical, biological bodies, an ability to heal and be restored. Father, I pray that you would be with those in this room that are struggling in this area, the, those in this room who know someone else that is. Let us be focused on your ways and let us experience the purity of a life with us, our spouse. Father, Protect us from all the influences that we can't protect ourselves from. And when we cannot be protected from them, give us the knowledge. Give us the wisdom to know how to create barriers so that we can stay true to your design. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.